0: you feel you're stuck in a dead-end job And your boss looks like a guy from the mob Do your best and don't be a slob Be a rock star or not a blob Stay positive When you're trying to get your master's degree With a spouse at home and a kid or three It's tough for a while but not eternity Smile, whistle and believe Stay positive Hello and welcome to week five of Stay Positive. I don't know about you, but sometimes it is a discipline for me to stay positive, especially when we're dealing with so much uncertainty and so many ups and downs, so much going on right now. But one of the things that helps me to maintain that discipline of staying positive is the kind of overarching idea that we have been talking about in this whole series, and that is that we have confidence, Romans 8:28. our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. We have a loving Heavenly Father who is constantly at work, and what is he working for? He's working to bless and benefit us in every situation. And remember, when we talked about this at the beginning, it doesn't mean that every situation is good, but that God is so powerful and so loving that he can use every situation for our good. And in the midst of this situation, even uh, even before this situation came up, and it continues even now, one of the biggest issues are in our lives is relationships. How do you manage and navigate relationships? And in the midst of this lockdown and all of the consequences that have flowed from that, probably there are some of us that are experiencing a higher level of challenge in our relationships. Sometimes it's because we're just together more in our household. Maybe it's because we are feeling lonely and disconnected. Maybe. We're spending a lot of time on social media, maybe not, but in this entire situation, there are lots of opportunities for relationships to experience stress and pressure. So today, we're gonna talk about relationships and in particular, how to make sure that our relationships stay positive, going in the right direction. And when they do get off track and when they are Going south, then how do we bring things back into alignment? How do we get past our differences? So, we're going to look at two scriptures today that deal with this directly from Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Matthew. And what we're going to say is from both of these passages, the bottom line is this to settle your differences quickly. Settle your differences quickly. You see, It's possible to allow something that's relatively small to grow into something that's bigger and festers and spoils the entire relationship. So how do we avoid that? We settle matters. We settle our differences quickly. So let's look at these two scriptures together. And I love this because it gives us a uh, a formula for how to handle it we, you know when things go wrong in a relationship what do you do well this lays out a very easy step by step process that will get things moving in the right direction so let's look at it together two passages from Jesus teaching Matthew chapter 5 verses let's look at it on the screen 23 to 26 and then later in the gospel in Matthew 18 verses 15 to 17 So let me read it to you. This is Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 23. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on your way to to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge, who will hand you over to an officer, and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. And then in Matthew chapter 18, He handles the reverse situation. This is chapter 18, verses 15 to 17. And this is what it says. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you that you preserve Jesus' teaching for us and gave it to us so that we can apply it and our lives can be better as a result. Lord, I know that it is pleasing to you. You love to see your children dwelling together in unity. And so as a result of what we do here today, I pray that you would affect reconciliation, restoration, forgiveness, and fresh starts in the relationships that need attention in everyone that is listening. I know that it is your design and desire that we dwell together in unity, so I pray that that would be the case. Pray that you would help every one of us to hear exactly what we need to hear and that you would give us the courage to act accordingly. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. In fact, if you're watching online, go ahead. When we pray, just type amen in the comments. And that'll be one of the ways that you can participate and follow along. Here, there are three points uh, from this passage. Two different passages dealing with opposite sides of the same coin, but they each include all three of these points. And the first one, and perhaps the most important, is that the goal is reconciliation. The goal is reconciliation. When you have a relationship breakdown, the steps that are laid out here are designed to help you achieve reconciliation, to come back together to restore unity and restore the relationship. Uh, That is often the goal that God has in mind for our relationships. I'll just give you two examples in marriage right now we're beginning to work with a couple that is preparing for marriage and one of the first things that we laid out is that the goal of marriage is oneness we get this from genesis 2 24 where marriage is introduced it's the first time it's kind of mentioned in the Bible it says this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one now that's not talking about just the physical relationship it's talking about the nature of the relationship you are a unit and when you are married, your goal is oneness. It's unity. It's uh, coming together emotionally, physically, spiritually in every aspect. And so when strife or dissension or arguing or all, any of these things that we talked about last week, enter into the relationship, it breaks down and breaks apart that unity. We don't want that. We want to work together towards unity. You want to be moving in the same direction, agreed, working as one. The same thing goes for the church. And in fact, the apostle Paul said that marriage is a picture of the relationship with, of Christ with his church. And we see that reflected in Philippians chapter two, verse two. Uh, The pastor Paul talking to the church at Philippi and telling him what his what he his hopes are for them as a church So I'm asking you my friends that you be joined together in perfect unity perfect unity complete unity with one heart one passion and United in one love walk together with one harmonious purpose and you will fill my heart with unbounded joy. That's the pastor heart of the apostle Paul which reflects the father heart of God. He wants his people, his family dwelling together in unity, working together, pulling together to accomplish his purposes. Just like I, as a parent with five kids, I love to see my kids getting along. I hate bickering and dissension and arguing and I'm always trying to, hoping for, uh, trying to help, trying, hoping for unity and kindness and oneness among our family. And that's the way God wants to see it among his family. That's the way the Apostle Paul, as a pastor, wants to see it in the churches that he leads. And of course, that's what we want to see in our church as well. So let's go back to the the passage and where does this idea of the goal is reconciliation? Because when you come together, there's dissension, there's anger, there's bitterness, there's unforgiveness. We want to make sure that we recognize that the goal is reconciliation. In that first passage, Matthew 5, 24, He says, leave your sacrifice, Jesus says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled. What's the idea of reconciliation? Now, nobody does this anymore, but when I was learning how to manage a bank account and budget, I was told, when you get that statement from the bank, you are supposed to reconcile your bank account, your records with what the bank says, with the bank statement. What does that mean? It means working it so that what the bank says and what your records say are the same. They are reconciled. So that is the goal. Even if you never reconcile your checking account, you do want to reconcile your relationships. You want to get each other on the same page and working together once again. So that is the goal. What's the goal? To be reconciled. Now, in the same way, in the Matthew 18 passage, it says, if the other person listens and confesses to you, you have won that person back. They're, you're at odds. You're on opposite sides. But now, because you've gone through this process, you've won that person back. You're on the same side once again. That's what we want, to win another person back so that you are together, you're on the same page, you're working together, you're on the same team. Uh, So that is the goal. Whatever we talk about, whatever process we're looking at, remember the goal is reconciliation. Well, what other goal would you have? Expressing your frustration, making the person pay for what they have done, pointing it out to them, beating them down. Nope, that's not our agenda. Our agenda is reconciliation. And all of these other things that we talked about last week, and I'll just throw this verse that we looked at last week up there, Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, that, that unwillingness to forgive, the rage, anger, slow burns, explosive uh, outburst, harsh words, contention, bickering, slander, trying to hurt somebody with your words, all types of evil behavior, malicious talk, all these things are not the goal, and they're not going to be helpful in working towards reconciliation. So that's why we need to get rid of all of these things and replace them with what we saw in the rest of that passage, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness, working towards reconciliation. So if you're going to settle your differences quickly, you have to recognize that the goal is to settle your differences, to resolve them and to reconcile. And now for the second point is probably one of the ones that you're going to like the least. You're just not going to like this one. But the responsibility is yours. Now, wait a second. I don't know if you notice this or not, but in these two passages, you're dealing with two opposite situations. In the first one, it's you remember that somebody has something against you. So either you're in the wrong or at least they think you are in the wrong. And so then what do you do if somebody's upset at you? Somebody thinks that you've wronged them. Somebody has something against you. That's what the Matthew chapter 5 passage deals with. Then in Matthew 18, it's talking about the flip side. If somebody else has wronged you, you see somebody doing wrong That's not you. It's the other person. It's the other person's fault. Totally, you know, conflict no matter what, but coming at it from two different directions. You've been wronged or you've wronged someone else. And the two passages still prescribe the same exact thing. The responsibility is yours. Now wait a second, shouldn't I be able to just wait until that person repents or at least comes and says I'm sorry or, you know, they're the ones that started it, so it's up to them to start the reconciliation process. I'm sorry. I wish I could tell you that you can just wait around if it's not your fault, but That's unfortunately not what Jesus said. Let's look at it. In Matthew chapter 5, remember this is the situation where somebody has something against you. You're either in the wrong or they thought you were in the wrong. It says, leave your sacrifice there at the altar and then go. I've highlighted that one little two-letter word, go. Well, that is a present active indicative, present active imperative. It is uh, first, it's talking to you. It's like, it's not in there, but you assume it says you go. That's who we're talking to. You go and be reconciled to the person and then come back and take care of your religious things. Let's look at chapter 18. Maybe we'll get a break. Nope. If another believer sins against you, Go, that same little two letter word and the same implied subject. You, me, it's our responsibility. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Um, now, this is the thing that, you know, in, in marriage, for example, uh, you might be thinking, well, I'm always the one who says sorry. I'm always the one who takes the initiative. Well, I'm gonna just wait for him. I'm just gonna wait for her to, to repent and come to me and ask to be forgiven for a change. No, I'm sorry. In fact, you know, times where maybe, you know, I've, I've never felt that way personally, but I've heard about marriages where this has happened. I'm kidding, of course. But uh, I, I would remember this and I would say, okay, I'm going to make it a competition. That if we get in an argument, if we get into a disagreement, I, I'm going to make it a, a, uh, a initiative competition. Who's going to be the first one to say sorry? And I'm going to win that every single time. But, but my part of it's only this big, and her part or his part is this big. Yeah, well, take responsibility for your part. And go and apologize and, and start the reconciliation process. No matter if it's you who've done wrong or the other person. And can we just be honest? Most of the time, it is not a hundred percent thing. Maybe that's why we need to look at this at the same time. Because rarely, if ever, is it all one person's fault. They're the only one in this situation that has sinned or the other person's fault. Oh yeah, it's totally 100% their problem. Now that's probably not the case. So why not make it a competition to see who can initiate reconciliation, who can own their part of it, be the bigger person first. No, don't, don't get into a competition about who's the bigger person, but do take the initiative and be reconciled. So uh, and notice the second word here, go privately. This is a big issue. Big, 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 big issue. When you have a problem with someone, it does not help to reconcile that problem with that person. If you go and talk about the problem with 10 other people who are not connected to the issue. All that does is prevent reconciliation because you're not dealing with the person that you actually have a problem with. You're talking to all these other people. It makes it harder for you to forgive and to humble yourself because as you talk to people, you're gonna talk to people who are gonna see things from your perspective in part because that's the only perspective that they're hearing, it's going to reinforce your sense of righteousness and injury and injustice, so it'll harden your position. And then what you've also done is you've spread the contagion because now you've got 10 other people who are upset at that person and that might make you feel good, but it is horribly destructive it doesn't resolve the relationship and now you've introduced a poison into all these other people's way of looking at that person as well. You go privately. Now, sometimes we just need a little bit of venting, maybe we need a little bit of wisdom and so we're going to talk to somebody, but remember the goal is reconciliation. The goal is not to make you feel better. The not the goal is not to make this person uh anathema to all of these other people. The goal is reconciliation. So if you share anything at all, it's so that you get help and insight and uh, wisdom so that you can resolve the relationship. You can reconcile the relationship. This is something that many people who are following Jesus and love Jesus regularly disregard Jesus and his commands when it comes to this. Go privately. You don't spread it around. There's a word for that. One of them is gossip. So you don't do that. Uh, But if you, the only time that you do that is to help with the reconciliation process. You go privately, you deal with it one-on-one. Let's l- walk through the rest of the process in Matthew 18. But if you're unsuccessful, you try to work it out with somebody and it doesn't work, then and only then do you take one or two others with you and go back again, again, you're taking the initiative so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Now, what does this? what is this saying? get a bunch of people that agree with you and go and gang up on the person? No, that's not what it's talking about. Remember, the goal is reconciliation. And notice it says that the matter needs to be confirmed by two or three witnesses. What this is doing is referencing back to the Old Testament law, and it was very hard to get a conviction under Old Testament law because you had to have witnesses, multiple witnesses. And so he's borrowing from that tradition. And what that is really helping you is if you go and you're like, I can't, we've tried, we want to work this out, I need help. So you go to somebody who understands the goal is reconciliation, who can give you help. And as you talk to them, maybe they're not going to confirm it. Maybe they're gonna say, well, did you think about this and what you did and what your part in this, in this is? Have you repented? Have you said you're sorry? Have you asked for forgiveness about your part? So what that does is kind of provide a safeguard for you. And then the, they're brought in to help because sometimes we just can't figure it out. We need help in the process and that's, and only then do you bring other people in. It's to get some perspective and to get some help again, so that you can work towards that goal of reconciliation, that it may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And then you might remember that then beyond that, it says, and if they, w- if you still aren't able to work it out, if the pe- people still won't listen, then and only then do you tell it to the church and you treat them like pagans or tax collectors. What is he saying there? He's saying, look, it, it's important to reconcile. And if you got some a couple of people who are so hardened that they can't accept and can't uh, can't own their part of what they're doing wrong, and they are just um, just stubborn in their rebellion and in their destructive patterns. Then, can we just be honest? They are not acting like a follower of Jesus. They're acting like a pagan or tax collector, which to Jesus' audience, they were they were the the worst people they could possibly think of. And yet, we have so many people who are unwilling to own their part of it, unwilling to uh, to ask for forgiveness, spreading gossip, talking to everybody that uh, uh, that about what they're angry about, except at about. Except to, to the person that they're angry with. And, and, the, and then we don't call them on the carpet and we say, oh yeah, you're a wonderful Christian, but you're destroying all these relationships. You're proud, you're arrogant, but, you know, but you're a follower. No, let's, let's just acknowledge that behavior is not acceptable within the church. It's just not acceptable. And let's, let's call it for what it is. And right now, there are probably people who are watching that this is why you don't go to church. This is why you're sitting at home, whether there's a pandemic or a lockdown or not, because you've encountered this kind of behavior in the church. It's time for us to police it. It's time for us to, to own it, we police ourselves, own it, and, and understand that it is not acceptable. Now, let me just throw in one last little side point related to this. In Romans 12, 18, it says, If it's possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. So the goal is that we live at peace with everyone. But the recognition here is that it's not always possible. It's possible for you to forgive, to say, you don't owe me anymore. It's possible for you to initiate, to own your part of it, to work towards reconciliation but you can only do what you can do. And we should acknowledge that as well. That yes, you have the responsibility to work towards reconciliation, but it does take two for reconciliation. You can forgive others, whether they forgive or own it, or whether they're even alive or dead, you can forgive others. But reconciliation requires repentance and reconciliation on both parts. So you do what you can, but you're not responsible for the reaction or action of others. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. So we wanna settle our differences quickly. We wanna acknowledge that reconciliation is the goal and that the responsibility is ours. And lastly, that the time is now. The time is now, but I wanna wait you don't let this fester. That's kind of the point. In Matthew 18, he says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. That's like right now. There's no there's no pause between you recognize that somebody that somebody has sinned against you and you go. And then uh, more starkly in Matthew chapter five, it says. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar, at the temple, what are we talking about here? Well, people would bring an animal to the temple at Jerusalem, or they would purchase a sacrificial animal at the temple. Then they would go to the altar and present it to the priest, and he would sacrifice it, and... That is how the priests were fed, basically, you know, some different ways of going about it, but this became food. It was the payment that kept the priests going, and so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar, not everybody lived in Jerusalem, so maybe this was a special occasion, a holiday, or they might have traveled. It was a big deal, and it required a lot of preparation and effort, so they are finally presenting the sacrifice at the altar in the temple. And then it just occurs, to oh, wait a second. Suddenly you remember that someone has something against you. Oh, I remember somebody's upset at me or, you know, this, this relationship is not where it should be. So what should you do in a situation like this? Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Now, come on, that means you have to. You've got this animal, and you're 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 just going to leave it, and you're going to go and reconcile. The priests are like, probably, you know, you know, they're like, well, you can go ahead and offer it. We'll just go ahead and take care of this. We'll take your offering. Maybe they would. That was kind of their default. No, Jesus says, just leave it. Just take off and go and be reconciled to that person, and then. Then, after you've done it, after you've prioritized reconciliation, after you've prioritized a good relationship and restoration in the relationship, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So what that tells me, what Jesus is teaching, is that that reconciliation is far more important than whatever religious activities you're doing. You know, one of the challenges of this period is how do we meet together and how do we gather? What does that look like in our current situation? And that is super important. And we're working towards that. I hope many of you are watching together and we'll have opportunities to do more of that kind of thing. But can we just be honest? Um, A lot of what matters is what happens in the other 167 hours of the week. And so what he's saying here is the way that you treat one another, the way that your relationships are managed are more important than your religious duties and activities. And if you're getting ready to to flip on Cornerstone Online, if you're getting ready to click on that give button and present your offering or write that check and drop it in the mail, even if you're doing that, then just pause and you remember, oh, wait, there, I've, I've damaged that relationship. I have somebody who has uh, uh, something against me and, and that's a brother or sister, maybe literally, maybe in Christ, maybe just a business partner or whatever the case, and you remember, oh, there's something wrong in that relationship. You just stop and you put a hold on all that stuff and you prioritize getting right with your brother or sister and then you can come and do all that other stuff. It's not that that stuff's not important, it's that we gotta get this right first. And then back in uh, the rest of it, it says, when you're on the way to the court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. You know, here the picture is someone is suing you and you're gonna go to court and uh, you're like, wait a second, let's see if we can work this out before we get to the judge, before we go through this whole process. Uh, In Ephesians chapter four, it counsels this, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. In a Hebrew uh, Jewish mindset, the sunset is the end of the day and the beginning of the next. And so what he's saying is, don't, uh, don't, don't, not just don't go to bed angry. It's don't let that next, this day end and the next day begin while you're still angry. Angry. Don't let anger be the controlling influence in your life. Settle it. Get it taken care of. And then the next verse is pretty sobering. Don't give the devil that kind of foothold in your life. We have a spiritual enemy who wants to, according to Jesus, kill, steal, and destroy. And when we allow anger and division to fester, what we are doing is giving that entity, the devil, the the enemy of your soul a foothold in your life. Do you really want to do that? No, of course not. So we settle our differences quickly. And what we really want is not only for the devil, the enemy of our soul to not have a foothold in our lives, we want God to be the controlling influence in our lives. In Ephesians 5:17 uh, it says that we are to be filled with the Spirit, Uh, and to me, I've always understood that in in relation to the next thing. It says, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. When you you get drunk, when alcohol becomes a controlling influence in your life, that's not good. But what, what that's saying is you want the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit to be the controlling influence in your life. You wanna settle your differences quickly and there's an important difference that maybe you haven't addressed, and that is the break in the relationship between you and your Creator God, your Heavenly Father. Your Creator God is a holy and just and perfect Heavenly Father. We are sinners. We make choices in rebellion against God over and over again. There's a break in the relationship as a result. And the Bible says that the wages of sin, the consequences of this break in the relationship is death. And it's not just talking about physical death. It's talking about ultimate death, a separation, a spiritual, eternal separation, a break between you and God. But because your God is a loving creator, he made a way to prioritize reconciliation. And he took the responsibility for restoring the relationship by sending his son, Jesus Christ, 100% God, 100% man, as a result, lived a perfect life. That is 100% Christian doctrine. He did not make any mistakes. He lived a life that was uh, unblemished before God and then went to the cross and died a death he did not deserve in order that we might receive the forgiveness and life that we could never earn. He made reconciliation a priority. He took the responsibility for restoring that relationship. And he also says that the time to resolve and reconcile is right now. In the scriptures, it says, Behold, today is the day of salvation. Maybe you've never understood this before, but there is a break in the relationship between you and your creator, God. And the only way to resolve that is by receiving and applying what Jesus did on the cross to you personally. Not just saying, Oh, I believe that Jesus died. Not just even saying, I believe that he rose again. But uh, surrendering your life and saying, I want Jesus' death on the cross to count for me. And so, my own. My encouragement to you right now is to say yes to Jesus. Yes to his forgiveness. Yes, I want his death on the cross to count for me. Yes, I want to be reconciled. I want to receive new life. I want Jesus to be the controlling influence in my life from this point on. I want him to write a new end to my story. I want to receive eternal life. And all you have to do in order for that to happen is to say yes to Jesus. So say yes, wherever you are, whenever you are listening or watching, you can text yes to our church number 603-225-2550. What that will allow us to do is celebrate with you that you are following Jesus and also resource you for your new life in Christ. Say yes to Jesus. If you are watching on the church online platform, click that button that says raise hand to indicate that you are committing your life to Jesus. And then when that next window comes up, uh, press the button that says connect with us so that we can connect with you and rejoice with you and resource you for that new life in Christ. Because it's God's design that not only that his family dwell together in unity, but he wants to be restored to us. So let's do it now. Settle your differences quickly settle your differences quickly. And then lastly, I always give a challenge. I'm going to give you an application step, something that you can do with what you've heard today. When I first gave a version of this message, probably nearly 20 years ago at this point, this is one that I, i revisit from time to time because there just there are always relationships breaking down there are always relationships that need to be restored we all need to be reminded of these principles from time to time one of the first times i presented this uh the next week when i came back to church i had a gentleman come up to me and said and it was somebody that i didn't know really well i think he was relatively new to the church just Getting connected, but he came up to me, made a point of coming to see me after the service the next week. And he said, You know, I listened to your message last week. And I believe he said that very day, that Sunday after church, he went and picked up the phone and called his daughter. And he and his daughter were estranged. They had had some difficulty in the relationship and they hadn't been talking for a while. And he took the initiative, he was courageous, and he picked up the phone and he called her and he started that process of reconciliation. Now, I don't think that they resolved everything in one phone call, but the process started and it was moving in the right direction for the first time in a long time. There are broken relationships people who haven't talked for a long time, people that should be loving, kind, restored, reconciled. And the time is now. So I'm going to challenge you to do what that guy did so many years ago and take a step to resolve a conflict today. The goal is reconciliation. The responsibility is yours and the time is now. You might not be able to complete the process, but you can get the ball rolling. You can get the relationship moving in the right direction. It's gonna require courage. It's gonna require maybe swallowing a little bit of your pride. It's going to probably result in you recognizing that you have a part in it that you didn't perhaps realize that there are gonna be things that you'll have to apologize for, things that you'll have to take responsibility for, but you will be so glad you did. You will be so glad you did, and you just never know what God will do when you respond in obedience and you decide to follow him in this way. Let's settle matters quickly. Let's see restored relationships. Let's see what God will do when we humble ourselves and take that initiative. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. And I pray, Lord, that you would give everybody the direction and courage and insight to know what to do with what they've heard today uh, and that initiative to actually do something I pray that you would go before each of us and prepare the way, prepare the hearts of everyone involved so that we can see reconciliation, restoration, forgiveness, restored relationships. Thank you, Lord, for the good work that you are doing in our hearts and the good work that you are going to do in our relationships. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.